Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast. Check out our new website for all your news, updates, and episodes at NASCARfieldfiller.com. We have one spot left in the field, so let's fill up the last row with our host, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. Hope you all had a great 4th of July. I had a really good one. I decided to spend the 4th of July evening eating sushi. Because, you know, nothing screams American more than sushi. And then I decided to go to the ballpark here in my local city and watch a country concert while the fireworks were going off in the background. So don't worry, I made it up because nothing's more American than watching fireworks in the ballpark. But I also watched the races as well at Road America and we just saw the Cup Series return back to Road America in over 65 years and let me tell you, uh, I think we may have found our potentially our new 4th of July event. I mean, they tried Indianapolis. That didn't really work out. I mean, they want Daytona to be at the end of the regular season. A lot of people may disagree with that. I mean, having the Pepsi 400 or the Coke Zero 400, whatever they wanted to call it there on 4th of July was a really fun event to watch. However, they wanted towards the end of the year to create more excitement because there could be a wild card winner in that race. And honestly, restricted play races are always wild card. So I really don't blame them too much for drawing to move that down into September or August, uh, the last race of the regular season, basically. Now you found a track, Road America, where fans really enjoy it. They can go wherever they want around the racetrack. The racing is a lot of fun. I mean, it's a road course. It's the new way NASCAR's going. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea for next season to keep Road America there on 4th of July. And I don't think they should really look for another track to move it because, honestly, it did its job. It was really good racing in the Xfinity Series. It was really good racing in the Cup Series. Both races were different, per se. I say the Cup Series was more of a strategic race, not a whole lot of wrecking going on, even though there were a few spinouts here and there. Xfinity, there was definitely more accidents. But, of course, those drivers may be a little less experienced compared to Cup drivers obviously. So let's go through the final results and let's go through what we learned this week and let's first start off with the Xfinity race that happened on Saturday. It is time for the final results at the Henry 180 for the Xfinity series. Alrighty, so this was a 45-lap main event. There was a total of 43 cars that tried to make the race. Seven cars would sit out since they did have qualifying. Those seven cars were the number 66 of Matt Jaskell, the number 52 of Greg Galdine. Man, he does not like qualifying this year. Neither does the number zero Jeffrey Earnhardt and the number 15 of Kobe Howard. It just feels like every time we have qualifying, they miss it. The number 61 of Boris said. This was the one I was the most sad about. I wanted to see Boris said race it out in Road America. Then we have the number 47 of Kyle Weatherman and the number 74 of Bailey Curry. Mind you, Natalie Decker in the number 23 was way slower than these guys. Actually, almost four miles per hour slower than really anyone else on the racetrack. She still got to race it in. That is the benefits of having some top tier drivers go into your equipment and then have someone with sponsorship but no racing skills like Natalie Decker does here for the Xfinity series. But enough about talking about here. Let's get to the final results. And the winner of this race, after having 12 lead chains a month, eight different drivers, and seven cautions for 11 laps, which would be the equivalent to one fourth of the race, 
is going to be the guy who always dominates the Xfinity Series every time he comes down. He's adding on to his lead of wins in the Xfinity Series. That is the number 54 of Kyle Busch getting his 101st victory of his career in the Xfinity Series. Four for four so far this year in Xfinity. He's your winner of the Henry 180 race here at Road America. Finishing second is his partner, the number 18 of Daniel Hamrick. Another second place for him. Finishing third, we have the number one of Michael Annette. In fourth place is number 16 of AJ Allmendinger, who, by the way, won stage one and stage two. In fifth, we have the number 20 of Harrison Burton. Finishing sixth is the number 99 of Kevin Harvick. Finishing seventh, we have the number 98 of Riley Herbst. Eighth, the number 22 of Austin Sindrick. Ninth, the number nine of Noah Gregston. And rounding up the top 10, we have the number 11 of Justin Haley. Some noticeable drivers finished outside the top 10. We have the number 7 of Justin Allgaier. Got some damage there near the end of the race, so he uh, for him to at least finish in the top 15 is good for him. Andy Lally right behind him in the number 5, finishing 13th. You also got Jeb Burton, the Talladega winner. He finishes 14th in this race. Going down, you have Kaz Grawla in the number 31, finishes 18th. Brandon Jones right behind him in 19th. Myatt Snyder spins out near the end of the race with Cody Ware in the number 2 and number 17, and then the number 26 of Chris Wright. They finished 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Natalie Decker wrecks the car once again. No surprise there. She finished at 32nd in this race. Ty Gibbs with transmission problems on lap number 34. Led two laps in this race. However, he gets his worst finish of the Xfinity Series, finishing 33rd. Sam Mayer got turned around early in the race in lap number 12. His car got some heavy damage. He finishes 35th overall in that number 8 machine. And then Spencer Pumpley in the number 6 machine. He goes up on the tire barrier on lap number 11 for him. He ends the race in 36. What a great switch off from Ryan Vargas. And that will be your final results here for the 17th race of the Xfinity Series here at Road America. So Kyle Busch wins once again. And we always know whenever a Cup Series driver wins here in the lower series or starts dominating like Kyle Busch always does every time he comes down into either the Truck Series or the Xfinity Series, People start to argue, should cup drivers be going down to the lower series? Again, I'm going to say yes because they are running on a selective schedule already. They can't win the championship. You're getting other drivers winning down here in the Xfinity Series. It's just those five races that Kyle Busch signs up for. There's the one he gets the victories. He likes winning. Don't you like winning? I like winning. If I can go down to the lower series and get some victories, you bet your sweet ass I would do what Kyle Busch does. But he once again wins it again, and it wasn't a race he really dominated, so I want people to really pay attention to that. If if I was going to go for a guy in this race, based on what I saw in Stage 1 and Stage 2, I'd say A.J. Allmendinger with Austin Sendrick right behind him and Justin Allgaier. That's just not how the race ended. Kyle Busch was running around in like the 7th or 5th position most of the race, and then he finishes first. He got lucky in this one. Daniel Hemrick, uh, right there, very close once again, but wasn't like he led a b- bunch of laps. He only led three laps in this race. He was another top 10 guy, just happened to get second. I don't mind Cup Series drivers able to sneak a win here and there and not dominate the entire race. There's nothing wrong with that. And this is not a situation where Kyle Busch came down, led 40 out of 45 laps, won it, beat everyone by 15 seconds. That wasn't really the case. So I'm not too upset with a Kyle Busch victory here. I, I feel bummed out for A.J. Allmendinger, but at the same time, he did get some points towards the playoffs with those two stage wins. And also, Colic Racing as a whole did really good. They at least got a top three finish in each of the stages for one of their drivers. Well, Justin Haley finished fourth in both of them, but still scored 41 points. So they had a really good run overall in this race. Some teams that had some really bad luck. Uh, let's go down to Junior Motorsports. Sam Mayer in the number eight 
Kind of reminds me a little bit of Josh Berry when he first started. Got into a few accidents here and there. Some really rough finishes, but he, he's a rookie right now. Give him time. He's a very talented driver, and once he's able to get everything put together with that number eight team, he will be really close to a victory, running near the front. I have no doubt in that. Uh, Ty Gibbs, though, man, he was running up front near the, uh, near the beginning. I mean, it wasn't like he had a shitty race by any means. Just transmission gave out on him near the end, and he gets a really rough finish. Uh, Natalie Decker, she's rightfully staying back there. I mean, whether she was going to get into an accident or not, she was going to finish in the back. So not really too hurt about that. But how about the guys for BJ McLeod Racing? You had the number five of Andy Lally finishing 13th. And then you had Kevin Harvick in the number 99 finishing 6th. Really good runs for that team. That team is definitely a smaller team. They do have the number 78 car. They they share uh, ownership there with Matt Tiff. And they run near the back there as well. So to see some of these races where they have some uh, ringers come in and help them out. It's always really good to see them finish near the front. Riley Herbst actually has a really good finish for the first time here this season, it feels like, uh, with that seventh place. And overall, the racing was a lot of fun. It's exactly what you expected from a road course race. A lot of pit strategies going on, seeing who would go in first to get fuel and tires, um, which cycle was going to work out the best. There was bumping and banging. You got everything you wanted here, and there's a reason why a lot of people were really rooting for Road America to finally get a cup race on because it's just a really fun track. It really is, and the Xfinity Series proves it once again. Uh, more cautions than what we would have liked. I mean, when one-fourth of the races ran under caution, that's always a bit of a letdown. But with a big track like that, once you get a caution, if it takes three laps, bam, that's already one-twelfth of the race here for the Xfinity Series. But still a really good race. I can't complain about it. A lot of fun, a lot of action for the fans out of the racetrack and for everyone watching on TV. Overall, this race was pretty good. Now let's move on to the race we've all been waiting for. It is time for the inaugural Jockey Made in America 250, the 20th race of the Cup Series for the 21 season, and it's here at Road America. Alrighty, so in this race, we actually had a full field. 40 cars were on the entry list. All of them got to make it in. It's always great to see a full roster here for the top series. Four cautions for nine laps. Not too many cautions here. Actually, most of them were the, due to staged conclusions or two drivers getting stuck on the gravel. That's about it. Ten lead changes amongst eight different drivers. And in the end, though... We already know who it is. It's a guy who's dominating the road courses a lot. Has already picked up two victories now for road courses. And that is the number nine of Chase Elliott getting his second win of the season. I do believe it is now like the 10th win here for Henrik Motorsports this year. Just absolute domination. Led 24 out of the scheduled 62 laps. He is the winner of the 20th race of the Cup Series season. Finishing second, we have the number 20 of Christopher Bell. He was actually the other winner for the road course races. He won at the Daytona a road course. Came up just a little bit short on this one, but still a really good second place. Finishing third, we have the number 18 of Kyle Busch. Finishing fourth is his brother, the number one of Kurt Busch. In fifth place, we have the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. In sixth, the top finishing rookie, the number 14 of Chase Briscoe. In seventh, we have the number 42 of Ross Chastain. Eighth is the number eight of Tyler Reddick. Finishing ninth is the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. In tenth, we have the number 21 of Matty Bandetto. Eleventh is the number three of Austin Dillon. Twelfth is the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Thirteenth, the number two of Brad Keselowski. Fourteenth, the number 10 of Eric Amarola. In the fifteenth spot, we have the number 22 of Joey Logano. In sixteenth, 
we have the number five of Kyle Larson. Anything outside of top 10 for Kyle Larson is pretty brutal nowadays. Finishing 17th, we have the number 41 of Cole Custer. 18th, the number 17 of Chris Buescher. 19th, the number 43 of Eric Jones. And rounding out the top 20, we got the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Some noticeable drivers who finished outside the top 20. Let me lay them down. The number 48 of Alex Bowman. Just some problems there near the end. He finishes 22nd. Had a flat tire. Unfortunately, sent him to the back. Another driver, we have the number 4 of Kevin Harvick. He finishes 27th in this race. Eight AJ Allmendinger in the number 16 did not really have that good of a race. Got some good stage points at the beginning, but that was about it. He finishes 29th, and Michael McDowell in the number 34 finishes 30th overall in this race. William Byron wins stage one, finishes second in stage two, and everything falls apart for him at the end. He finishes 33rd overall, and these drivers ended their race early from 37th on back. We have the number 38 of Anthony Alfredo with brake problems. He runs into the gravel, causing one of the cautions. Number 33 of Austin Sindrick with rear gear problems. He leaves the race early after leading a couple laps, looking really good once again. Ryan Eversley in the number 53 finishes 39th. And then round out the field with engine problems, we have the number 37 of Ryan Priest. And that will conclude the final results here for the Jockey Made in America 250 at Road America. So Chase Elliott once again shows us why he's one of the best road course racers potentially of all time. He's almost now to Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon considered to many as the best road course drivers of all time. And it's not only just because we've had a bunch of road course races just thrown onto the schedule. His winning percentage is much more impressive than those guys. I do believe those guys sit at the 20% for victories at road courses. Right now, he's at 44%. Absolutely dominating. Almost just 6% away from winning half of the races at road courses that he has attended. Very impressive numbers coming out of this number 9 team. And they're just proving to be just the team to beat every single road course race. Now with two victories in the book, many people are considering him to be now one of the top contenders for the championship. Which... I kind of have to disagree at this time because there are two drivers on his team that already look like better contenders for the championship right now, and that's Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman, and you really can't keep William Byron too far behind. He's just been very consistent, minus road courses. He's been really bad with those results, but he's only really showed up mostly for these road course races. I don't really look at the other racetracks, the intermediate tracks, and think, ooh, Chase Elliott is going to be a top contender. He's usually a top 10 guy, so he's really got to pick that up. I think Kyle Busch is ahead of him, maybe even Denny Hamlin. You uh, Maybe not too much Martin Trex Jr. lately. He's kind of fallen off. So I would say they're taking steps in the right direction. I just don't think he's going to be the man to beat so far for the championship. I mean, obviously, we still have a summer stretch to go. There's still plenty of other races before that time goes in. He's probably going to make it past round one. He can win the road course race at the Roval. So I think he could be there near the end. To say if he's going to be in the championship four, however, that's a little murky right now. A lot of things can happen. But it looks like Joe Gibbs Racing once again shows that they are the closest competitor to beating Rick Henrik. I mean, you have Christopher Bell with a really good run here. Seems like Christopher Bell has been really off lately, but now for him to finally get a top three finish here in a road course race is definitely going to be a good shot in the arm for that team. Kyle Busch has been the most consistent driver against Rick Henrik Motorsports, just right there with him. And then look at uh, Chip Ganassi Racing with Kurt Busch as well as Ross Chastain. They have started to step it up. 
as one of the best um, Chevrolet teams that's not Rick Henrik. Obviously, you got RCR right behind them. I mean, Tyler Reddick had a really good run. Austin Dillon finished 11th. Chevrolet is really starting to put it together. We keep talking about the dominance of Rick Henrik. They keep dominating and kicking everyone's asses. But you really look at some of the finishes. You've had another Chevrolet right behind them. I mean, I remember Ross Chastain finishing second. Tyler Reddick has a second place finish. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has a second place finish. There's been a lot of Chevrolets right there just waiting to get their first victory of the season that have been Chevrolet. So... Man, I, I don't know. There could be some more winners. I think we can get to see a victory coming out of the Chip Ganassi camp before they ride off into the sunset. Because if you heard earlier this week, Trackhouse Racing purchased all their assets, which I don't think anyone saw that one coming. I mean, it's kind of a shocker to see Chip Ganassi Racing after all these years finally leaving NASCAR. Another kind of big organization leaving the sport. It's kind of shocking. I know we get in a lot of teams coming in. I mean, GMS Racing's coming up. JR Motorsports thinking about it. Colic Racing, obviously. But we've had some teams leave too. I, I don't want people to forget about that, especially a big team like Chip Ganassi Racing. No one really ever thought that. But anyways, I will run on a tangent there. What I'm saying is there is some opportunity for some of these teams to get victories. I mean, don't count out RCR either. they got some really talented drivers. Austin Dillon somehow pulls off a victory every single year it feels like so right now Chevrolet is just the top dominant manufacturer right now now as far as this race went it was definitely 100% a strategy race you you definitely want to be up front I mean obviously when it comes to road courses position is absolute key however if you did not pit before the stages end you had more of a chance to win the race I mean look at Chase Elliott his stage one finish was 10th stage two he didn't he didn't even finish in the top 10 went to pit road both those times a lot of people were worried that he wasn't going to be running well in this race which he wasn't at the beginning but was able to pull everything together but it looked like if you did go to pit road before the stage ended, you had a better chance to win the race. Definitely something for a lot of teams to consider when they go to the Indianapolis Road Course and Watkins Glen. I'm with everyone else. I do not like cautions for road courses for stages. I think they need to get the, rid of those for the 2022 season. But right now, they're not going to change it midway through the year. We're stuck with it right now. So we just got to live with it. But this is a big eye-opener for a lot of teams. I mean, look at William Byron. He finished first and second. And then you had even Michael McDowell, or excuse me, A.J. Allmendinger finished second, not Michael McDowell. And then Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick did the best out of him. He finished eighth, and he won stage two and finished fourth in stage one. That was how important positioning was there for the final stage. So big takeaway there for a lot of teams, especially when we get into that road course swing right after the two weeks off for the Olympics. Uh, Not too many drivers really wrecked their cars this weekend. I mean, Daniel Suarez, yeah, big bummer for him to have some problems there at the beginning of the race where the car just stalled out he was able to get it back going but man I I just want to see Daniel Suarez do good at road courses I feel like that's where that team is going to do its best but they just haven't had that moment they've always had some bad luck happen to him early in the race but we had some drivers fall off the racetrack I mean Ryan Eversley in the number 53 he fell off the racetrack at one point Corey LaJoy spun out at one moment he got his car going finished 21st though so at least he was able to make up for that uh, incident. Uh, Ty Dillon got spun around in the number 96 car at one point. He finishes 26th in the race. Other drivers who kind of fell off the racetrack, the number 51 of Cody Ware, the number 24 of William Byron, they were able to stay on the lead lap. And then guys who spun out and then went to the garage area like Austin Sindrick in the number 33. And of course, our boy, Anthony Alfredo in the number 38. 
But other than that, there wasn't really too much uh, wrecking going on per se, which I don't really have a problem with when it comes to road course races. Do I want to see bumping and banging with these cars? Yes. Do I want to see a constant wreck fest here at road courses? Absolutely not. And we got that this weekend, and we got an opportunity to see a lot of drivers that you wouldn't usually see up front, running near the front. I mean, Matt DiBenedetto led 10 laps in this race, and then you also had Chase Briscoe, actually, with a good run, that number 14. This drivers who kind of needed that extra motivation, and it's kind of tightened up that little playoff bubble there for the Cup Series. I mean, the races are now wrapping up. For the regular season, and it's go time for a lot of these guys. I mean, Chris Buescher, Ross Chastain, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Matty Bandetto, they're all still trying to make it in. Kurt Busch is sitting there on the bubble with Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon above him. But with Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, all they need is two bad races, and then bam, they're right there at the same level as Chris Buescher. So the playoff bubble is starting to get really worrisome for these mid-tier drivers, and there's a lot of people right now in the mix, and all of them at one point got mentioned in this race for running really well. So they're really starting to pick it up here. I mean, I know a lot of people are keeping an eye on the wind count, but make sure to also keep an eye on the playoff picture right there near the bubble because it's getting pretty damn close and I don't really know who's going to make it near the end. When you count one driver out, they all of a sudden come back later and they start running really good. I mean, Ross Chastain, I was counting him out by like week number 13. I was like, this sucker's done. No chance. Now he's right there in the mix, 18th in points. Chris Buescher's right there. I mean, I didn't really think JTG Daughtry Racing was going to be even close and there they are with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Lots of fun right here a lot of action going on in between right now if I had to choose a driver who's on the outside looking in it would be Ross Chastain to make it in maybe even bump out his partner Kurt Busch uh, Kurt Busch hasn't really had that many great races lately uh, he's been more falling off than more going forward obviously he got two good finishes here especially at Road America he definitely needed that but right now it looks like Ross Chastain is the guy on the outside looking in and meanwhile, Tyler Reddick and Austin Dillon, I really don't see him falling off. And Denny Hamlin's first in points, so he's not going to fall off at all. He could wreck every single race, and I think he would still make it in. So he's almost, I think, 300 points ahead. Yeah, no way that's going to happen. But overall, like I said from the beginning, Road America, I would not be upset if they decide to make this the 4th of July race from here on out. It's great for the fans. Fans absolutely love it. You just saw it on Twitter. All the fans on there just really enjoying it. The guy and girl who got married, they really, really enjoyed it. They got on TV and then Road America offered to even have the wedding there. So <laughs> good job for those guys. They knew where exactly to propose. And hey, shout out for him for wearing that Kyle Larson shirt. I have that same exact shirt. So your choice of shirts and drivers to root for, really, really nice. Anyways, like I said, 4th of July event, if they want to keep it at Road America from here on out, I'm not going to be upset with it. It's a fun racetrack, it puts on good racing, and puts on good entertainment for the fans. If it if they decide to keep it as a staple, I think it's going to be the right call. So, a lot of fun here, mostly a strategic race, and honestly, you can't really complain about a strategic race when it comes to a road course. And if you're a Chase Elliott fan, like I know a lot of people are, you're really happy overall with this race. So... Road America, you get a good old thumbs up from me. And that will conclude the final results for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, next week we are going back to Atlanta. Let's hope Atlanta's a little more exciting than the first race because... 
I fell asleep at the first race. I'm not going to lie. I woke up to the ending seeing Kyle Larson get passed on the last few laps by Ryan Blaney. But, I mean, a lot of people are huge fans of Atlanta, rightfully so. I mean, it's one of those big, big staples of the NASCAR Top Series. They've provided some really good racing in the past. Just lately, I think the track is just way too worn out, and it's also kind of that cookie-cutter feel. So there's a few changes that they need to do with the racetrack. But it's still going to be a race that you want to go and watch. So we're going to do our fancy picks for that one on Friday. You don't want to miss it. And above all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest. I have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time. So I'm going to take the car and pull it right on into pit road. Collect my last place winnings. And I am out. So you all take care. This has been the Field Filler Podcast. <laughs>